Praise God. Well, what a time we've been stepping into, and it's been, been amazing. It was so good to baptize so many uh, last week at Green Bay. Wasn't that amazing? So good. And um, um, we baptized in the end 16, and I've been talking about 30. That's the numbers I were given, but we baptized 16, but I'll take 16 over none. And and I was, uh, it was such a, a wonderful time to see families and people gather and to see the Lord just, uh, just at work. It was amazing. If you're new to Willow Park Church, um, my name is Pastor Phil. And I want to thank you for coming and uh, connect with us. I'll be at the front or out back and come and have a chat with me. Come and connect. Uh, all our groups are starting up. Uh, Pastor Jordan told me that there was something like... 30 small group leaders being trained last week, which is fantastic, and, and get connected, get into a small group. Now, of course, what you find is it takes a little, and I always say this, it takes a little bit of time to get used to your group and to get used to that new feeling. Actually, research shows it takes about six times coming to a group and coming to church to feel, start to feel comfortable. So if you're here for the second time and you still feel a bit, oh, I'm not quite, no, I know anybody. Well, don't worry, that feeling will go away. It goes away after about the sixth time. And when you join a small group, it's the same. It goes away at that moment and you learn to appreciate people. Then you start to connect and then you push on and you keep going. It takes energy. It takes effort to connect. And we've been doing a small series on the value of the church, the importance of the church, and how the church is Christ's church. And of course, what we've done is I've talked a little bit about, you know, the danger of the individualistic society, me and Jesus, and I no longer need church. As Wesley said, solo religion is not found anywhere in the New Testament, and often what we think about is, is I can do it on my own, Jesus and me. But we forget that God has called us to be part of a local congregation. God has called the local congregations in this city to be blessed and to have fruitfulness. And together we minister to our city and we, we minister and we make a difference. And of course, why do we do this? Well, we do it because, first of all, we are reminded that Jesus said he will build his church. Not only will he build his church, but he died for his church. The blood of Christ was shed for the church. Not only was it shed for the church, but he also says that he loves us and that we are part of his church. And one day, as Revelation shows us, one day, that day will come when we will receive our reward and we will receive our crown for the way that we have participated in the life of the body of Christ. We will receive a white stone with a new name on it. We will receive authority over the nations. We will receive a white robe. And this white robe uh, is given to us to signify that we are pure, that we are holy, that we belong to the Lord. And we also, we will also have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and your name will never be taken away from that. Never taken away. 
And he promises that. And he will says, come and sit at my right hand. Come and be present in the glory of my kingdom and where I am at. And he says, we have to build the church carefully, was last week's message. And about the importance of caring for the church on what? On the foundation of Christ. Because the way we build church will be judged. And if we build correctly with the right materials, then we will be blessed. And when that day of judgment comes, then we will be tested and find that we built the church not on ungodly things or on, on, on things that are kind of in our own energy or our own power, but we built it on the Lord Jesus Christ and we built with gold and silver and beautiful things like prayer and worship and connection and community and mercy and worship and evangelism and on the power of the scripture within our lives. You've got to build church in the correct way, it says. And we, we looked at that last week. And, and beware anybody that destroys the church, it said in that passage, of course. Because we are a living temple. It's not just about a building. It's not about a building. It's about that you and I are bricks in the temple of the Lord. You and I are together. You and I operate. And we are living in the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells with us. And as we gather together like this morning and we worship, then his presence through worship comes and is with us and is present and at work within our lives. And our calling as, as Christians is to go the next step. It's to go deeper, become more mature, to go into the wonders and the glory of what God has for us. So last week, I didn't finish my sermon. I finished on this point to minister to the world evangelism and mercy. That when we are part of a local church, we are called to minister to this world for evangelism and, of course, in this world. And, and we are called to minister the word of the Lord and to grow in maturity and strength. I've been reading a lot of theology this last um, uh, period of time and kind of delving into it. And uh, a funny thing happened to me when I was in Tofino. I thought it was funny, but I've never actually told the story, so it may not be. Uh, but I was in Tofino and I was stood there on Chesterton Beach. And I was uh, stood there, we were there for a week, and, and the sun was setting. The Pacific Ocean was glorious. I literally closed my eyes on that beautiful beach that is framed by the rocks reaching out into the Pacific. Have you got the picture? And I'm there and I'm just, oh, this is so good, so good. And then all of a sudden, this guy appeared in front of me wearing jeans rolled up, wearing a trilby with a feather in his, in his hat. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I said, what? There are mermaids out there. And I'm like, oh, no, I love to meet people, anybody. 
I like weirder the better. There are mermaids out there. I was like, oh, oh, okay. He said, oh, yeah. There's a whole wondrous city out there. There are hidden treasures and glorious things and a wondrous city out there. And it's all out there, but people don't know it. There are mermaids and all kinds of wonderful things. Now, I could tell that he was slightly intoxicated. Um, <laughs> by some external um, substance that had put him in a particularly happy mood, shall we say. I don't know what the substance was, but um, I could tell that it had transported him to, to mermaids. And there he was, and he was saying, oh, yes, I like that. And I said, oh, that's okay. Well, thank you. I'd never realized. And I was trying to be polite and English. Oh, very nice. Thank you so much. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, and it's like uh, being transported and, and there. And, and then I said, well, thank you so much as he walked away. And I said, thank you so much. Do you happen, being a bit cheeky, do you happen to be a merman? Ah, oh, because you never know what you're meeting in Tofino. <laughs> and he looked around at me and said, what did you say? I thought, oh. I said... Are you asking me whether I am a Mennonite? <laughs> Literally that. I said, no, uh, no, I wasn't. He said, I'm not a mere man. I'm a Mennonite. I'm from Saskatchewan. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm a Mennonite as well. And... Um, which he didn't believe. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm a Mennonite. I said, that's so amazing. I said, that's great. He said, yeah, I'm from Saskatchewan. And then he walked off into the distance. Now you're thinking, what is the biblical point of that story? <laughs> this is the point. I was fascinated by his wonder. I was fascinated that as I talked to him, I prayed that I'd meet him again, and, and he wasn't so high, that I could actually witness to him. But I was fascinated that he looked out at the ocean, and as he looked out at the ocean, he imagined a wondrous world beyond those little, that little shore where he paddled. And I was reading a theologian this week, and I was thinking about this, and this particular theologian wrote about the wonders of the Word of God within the Church of Christ, and that so often we come to the edge of a vast ocean, but we paddle around, but we never allow ourselves to go into the deep currents of God. We never allow ourselves as it were, to dive into all that God has for us, to swim into the depths, to meditate and understand the glories and the mysteries and the wonders of God that is at work. And he said that so often we have lost the wonder, we have lost the amazement, we have lost the joy of diving deeply into God and communing with him. And as I was reading this, this article and reading this piece, it, it captured my imagination. Then I linked it to that story that so many people in society are imagining and wondering about the meaning and the depths of life, but there is something far more glorious, and that's when you and I commune with the living God, when you and I stop paddling around in our Christian faith, but we choose to go deeper and deeper into the glory of God. And there are treasures, there are wonders, 
There are things to be explored and things to experience, but we must be careful of two-dimensional Christianity where we lose that sense of wonder. We lose that sense because it's out of that sense of astonishment and wonder. Uh, Karl Barth, uh, the Swiss uh, theologian, um, who actually died in 1968, he wrote about this, that you should never lose the astonishment of what God can say to you through the Bible. You should never lose the wonder of how God can speak to you. You should never lose the amazement. And as you open up the scriptures and understand them, they come to you and they mature you. They shape you because it is all linked, the work of the church, the body of Christ, the, the role of scripture in our community as we read it and it ministers to us and we understand it and we understand its context and its history and its life and we extract the wonder from the word of God. And I want to challenge you straight off in this little message is don't paddle around in your Christian faith. Get in deep, dive deep, and learn to linger, learn to abide, learn to come close to Jesus Christ in prayer. So often, and if you ever want to learn how to abide and how to linger and how to be, you know, we've devoted so much energy into, into teaching and connecting people of how you can go deeper into that, that you can be there with the vine. And we are to minister then out of that to the world. And yes, evangelism and mercy. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What the Lord spoke on that mount in Matthew 28, is still applicable to us today. And churches lose their way, people lose their direction, denominations lose their power when they forget that the real commission is Matthew 28, therefore to go, therefore to teach, therefore to baptize, like Philip arriving there with the Ethiopian eunuch. He comes alongside of him, and there he is reading the ancient text of, of Isaiah, and he looks at him, and he says, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand? Basically, he didn't have a clue of how to work out what it meant, and what it means, and how to apply it. And then Philip explained it to him about the wonders of the Messiah, the coming of the king, and that Isaiah is prophesying about the future. And he said, does anything stop me from being baptized? Nothing stops you. Get down and get baptized. We need people who are just willing to explain the wonders of God to other people. It's not about being heavy. It's not about becoming Robocop evangelist, pulling out your submachine gun. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes him shall not perish but have eternal life. God bless you. Have a nice day. Oh, I'm so happy I shared Jesus with you. Well, you didn't actually share Jesus, you just shot me. And it's not about that. 
It's about coming into a chariot. It's about understanding people's questions. It's about connecting with people and then saying, let me explain to you about the deep depths of diving into the ocean. You believe all this nonsense philosophically in the world and you may believe in mermaids and mermen and, and all of that, but I want to tell you about the wonders of a God who loves this world and came on a rescue mission. And so... Sometimes I think we just need to relax and just start to talk about Jesus as if he was your best friend. Just share and be willing to share. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's not lose that heart of evangelism, that heart to just explain the wonders of God. Let's not lose it. But not only do it with words, we do it with deeds. Mercy. And the New Testament is full of the fact that we must be merciful. Now, a lot of the New Testament teaches about the church being merciful, that we are merciful to each other. And if people are in need or in pain or in difficulty, it is our Christian response within the body of the Christ to care for those people and make a difference. And acts of love and acts of service make such a difference. I may have told you this many years ago, but when my mom first met Christ after I became a Christian, she was a single mom that lived in a small apartment, and that apartment was run down, and a group of deacons from our church one day turned up and they decorated the whole of the apartment and then left again. That act, led by a man called Don Beck, who's still alive, and he's on my Facebook, he must be about 85 now, came and this new family that had just been born again, who uh, didn't seem to have much, was struggling with a single mom, a 16-year-old son, 11-year-old other son, came and decorated the whole of the, the apartment. Isn't that fantastic? And that has burnt in my head from that day, what, I'm 16 to now I'm 56. How did that happen? Where did the time go? But I remember that, that moment when they came and did that. And of course, it says in Scripture that we should care for one another. Church is about loving each other. It's about helping each other. It's about coming alongside. It's about celebrating each other. And we mustn't lose this. But also, love the world, but love your enemies. First of all, in this world, the church is called to do good to this world. We may feel as if this world is an enemy to us, but our response is not to be an enemy to this world. Our response is to do good to this world. That's why we care. That's why we love. And to lend them without expecting to get anything back. Oh, that can sting sometimes, can't it? And then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. 
God calls us to be, to be those individuals who imitate God in the world. We imitate God. I like imitating sometimes. I can imitate sometimes. I'm not very good at it. I wish I was really good. I wish I could put on lots of accents. I'm actually Canadian, but this is my, put my English accent on. I like it. But do you know, what I've discovered is that people can imitate me brilliantly. Honestly, kids are amazing. They're like, oh, Pastor Phil. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, they, and it's hilarious. And they go, uh, some of the, uh, Jeremy's kids are really good at this. They're only small, but they send me little, little, little films of them preaching like Pastor Phil. <laughs> which I have to say is a great compliment. <laughs> when a nine-year-old stands in his bedroom and pretends and goes, Oh, I'm Pastor Phil from England. And <laughs> I like this, and I like that, and they're imitating me. And when I was young, because I've always been easy to imitate... Because uh, I was always like this. Um, I, I used to get a bit offended. like, mm. But now I don't. I love it. I, love it. I loved it for decades. Decades. Because to, Im- to do that, you're actually you know, saying something good. Something wonderful. Well, mostly. Uh, but, but here we are called to imitate God who is merciful who is the Father, who is good, and who is generous. And when we imitate God in the world, the church is doing its job properly. Sadly, as we know, the church has been hit by the coronavirus effect, and, um, and, and, and church has become splintered. Church has lost its way, it's lost its vision, it's lost its message. But what we, God has called us to do is to keep on the message and keep going and keep moving. Boy, he laid his hands on every one of them and, and healed them. I love this when I read the gospel mess- Gospels. is that you find that Jesus, the crowds just come. And although he knows they're going to go again... Even though he gets perhaps nothing from that, he always is generous. He prays for them. He blesses them. He passes bread and fish out. He multiplies. He treats the crowd of the environment, of the city, of the people with generosity. And when our doors were flung open, when the floods in Merit happened, and for like, like I don't know, six weeks, this, this building was taken over by a disaster response that felt so beautiful. It felt so Christian. It felt so right. It felt so wonderful as the whole hall became packed. Do you remember this? We closed in the middle of a pandemic and people turning up and us being able to bless the community. Churches do that all the time. Every church in this city would want to do that or loves to do that or should want to do that because God has called us to be merciful, to be generous and to bless our world. And that's why I love being part of the church. That we understand that. But also the church has to be the pillar of truth. I mean, there are so many lies that exist out there. Jesus said 75 times, truly, I say to you. And he said 
25 times, truly, truly, I say unto you. When you read truly, truly in the Bible, make sure you read, because Jesus is really going, this is a double, double moment. I am really communicating something to you. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And, and we live in an age of lies. We live in an age of misinformation. We live in an age of philosophical thinking and, and social thinking that alienates the church, that, that, that puts the church on defensive. We live in an age where, where things are said and, and attitudes, and we almost feel embarrassed about being a Christian. We feel the social tension. We feel the problems within our world. We feel it. And yet, we are part of the church, part of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and Jesus Christ is the fountain of all truth. And so we can never stop speaking truth, ministering truth, showing truth, being truth, because He is truth. Because when people understand the truth, they are free. They are free from sin. They are free from death. They are free from the power of the demonic world. They are free to love and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I couldn't imagine life. It would be like a pilot trying to navigate a plane without a GPS. It would be pretty difficult. And I can't navigate this world and this society without the truth of the word of God at work. You and I can't. We need that navigation. We need that within our lives. We need to know the direction because the skies at times feel, feel stormy. Life feels difficult. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Well, I'm going to navigate it by the GPS of the Word of God and what the Lord Jesus teaches us and the truth of God within my life makes all the difference. You are not lost because you are guided by the truth of God. And the church exists, yes, to help people go deeper. Yes, to do evangelism. Yes, mercy and to speak into society. That's why we need to take seriously our elections. That's why when we consider who is righteous, what person has this view, look at things deeply and understand. And whether we are placed in the arts, whether we are placed in, in politics, whether we're placed in business, whether we're placed in education, whether we're placed in health, you know, the big employers, wherever God has placed you in the world, God has called you to be the light and to represent and imitate the power of Christ within your life. You've got a role to play. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? You and I, 
are called to live obedient lives to Jesus. I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and foundation of truth. You see, the church is a pillar and a foundation of truth in our lives, in society. And we must never stop doing that. Because, you know, we are protected from deceptions within. I mean, just look at the old advertisements from the 1950s that tell you how good tobacco is for you. I mean, every generation, there are deceptions, aren't there? Do you remember that? Oh, yes, you can run a marathon and smoke 50 players. Hurrah! You know? And yet it was killing everybody. It's terrible. But we have to be discerning people in this generation that, that operate within the church of God. Let me finish. When we are the church of God together, we are together to experience the presence of God. For when two or three are gathered together, he says, I will be there. You see, I love the thought of revival. Oh, yes. But I love the thought of habitation more. That God is continually dwelling in the life of his church. Why? Because we are those living bricks. We are, he is our dwelling place. He is amongst us. And we need to remind ourselves that as the church comes together, he dwells amongst us. And then when we gather for prayer in small groups, and we gather tonight for Willow One Prayer, and we gather in here for worship and pray for next month and all that is taking place, the fuel and the life of the church and our prayers are answered. Why? They are answered through us being together. And I would go as far to say that when we learn to pray together and we learn to believe together and we learn to gather together and we learn to pray in small groups and large groups, actually what happens is that we see more of our prayers answered because we are in agreement as church together that we want to see things changed. That's why on, on this Sunday, the most important meeting to me is our prayer meeting tonight at 5.30 when we seek the Lord. Paul wrote, you also must help us. How? By prayer. So that many will give thanks on our behalf. And the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. What is Paul saying? I cannot do this ministry. We cannot build church unless we gather and I need your prayers to make a difference. And without your prayers, I am weak is what he's saying. And without the prayers of other people around you, we are weaker because we go back to me and Jesus. 
But there is power in a small group praying about an issue. There is power in a corporate church praying about an issue. There is power together. And may I say, I honestly believe when we learn to pray together and we keep praying together as a community and as individuals, you and I will see more prayers answers than we can ever imagine. God answers prayer. I've got the longest list of answered prayers over the last 12 months of how and what the Lord has done. Listing them one after another, I could just talk about them all the time. And so, finally, a healthy church benefits the community. When we are healthy, when we are outward looking, when we care, it benefits our community. There's a th- something called the Halo Project. And in the Halo Project, they added up all of the investment that a church gives in, in life and in terms of money into the community. It is added up that the Evangelical Church of Canada contributes in life and health and well-being to Canada the sum total of 19 billion point nine into Canada's life and economy. That's amazing, isn't it? 19, 20 billion, let's call it that. Because I'm not quite sure how the point nine works. But 20 billion, how? Well, you add it up. All the youth groups that run, all the care for families, all the acts of kindness all of the seniors' gatherings, all of the activities in the community, all of the counseling that takes place, all of the love that happens, all of the mercy that is shown, the Halo Project shows that the church makes a difference. And the foolish thing about some Western countries today is that they want to delete the involvement of the church from society. But they can never delete us because the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And I want to encourage you, don't step out, step in. Whatever is going on, whether you're online or not, keep believing. And as we come out of COVID into this new season, let's be Let's rediscover a love for the church of God together. And of course, it is based around communion, the table. And if you've got your communion, take a moment and look at that. And Father, we thank you That we are one body. And we want Kelowna's church to be everything that we've just described. One body, Lord. Blessing each other. Encouraging each other. Because in you and your body and your death, You came to give yourself for this world. 
And I pray that you will position us so that we may be as the Father is in this world. On the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Maybe for a moment, just say sorry to the Lord if you've had so much resentment and anger about church. I've talked in other sermons about how the church has spectacularly failed. We can't skirt around our garbage and our rubbish. But it's God's choice to bring all people around one table and to say that you are my family with all your differences and that my body was broken for you so that you may be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for your ultimate sacrifice and taking your sin, the sin upon yourself, the body of Christ broken for you. Eat it now. You are clean, you are redeemed, you are forgiven. You are a child of God. And we are redeemed because of the blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Drink and remember the great exchange your unrighteousness for his righteousness. And hopefully I'll see you at Willow One Prayer tonight, 5.30.